HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And hey, just realized uh, today is actually my five year anniversary. Uh, oh, thanks. Thanks, Liz. Uh, hosting the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. So that's pretty cool. I can't believe they let me do it for this long. That's pretty nice. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, Heritage Radio. Um, it's been a really cool trip and, uh, I've gotten to interview and meet and become friends with a lot of really talented and really amazing people in and around the food and beverage world, specific, mostly the beverage world, but, uh, some food people too, which is cool. It's always nice to have food people in, in you know, get to, I like to eat sometimes, but specifically this show was, uh, born out of our passion for cocktails and spirits and anything that you can pour into a glass. And so we've had a lot of really amazing guests on the show and no pressure. <laughs> I have another amazing guest today, Lucinda Sterling. Hey, welcome to the show. Damon, it's really good to be here. It's Thank great you. to have you here. You've been very busy lately. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, you're always you're like everywhere. I, like I always see like on social media and everything. You're like all over the place, and and then also in real life, I could see it sometimes too. Um, you are in the process of opening a new bar in Red Hook. Uh, there's not a lot going on in Red Hook, but everything that's going on there is awesome. Um, and you've got. This new bar, Seaborn. Actually, there was a feature on it in the New York Times that Robert Simonson uh, wrote, and uh, it's been a highly anticipated opening. Uh, how are you feeling? Well, thank you to Robert. That was a really nice article, and we do keep on getting really great press, and the interest is huge. 
Um, it is kind of the new frontier, in a sense, in Brooklyn, but um, everything that is going on, I think everybody has a creative leverage to do something very unique. Um, and you still have that mom and pop feel in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. which I'm looking forward to. Because um, it is so remote, you have to have a, a wide array of options yeah. to make it a livable place, I guess, and a place where you want to hang out regularly versus tre- trekking to Manhattan. Yeah. it's. I used to live in Red Hook, and I used to work down there, uh, down way way down on the end of Van Brunt. And uh, this was kind of like, the only thing that was around was like Bait and Tackle and Sunny's. And that was great because, I mean, those are great places. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then... After I, I moved out of the neighborhood, not far away, but um, that's when, you know, like Fort Defiance and um, the Ice House and Grindhouse and like all these awesome places started popping up. And I was like, what the hell was this shit when I was here? Right. You know, like, <laughs> why, why after I left? Um, and so that sentiment remains with, you know, the opening of your place. Although I'd, I'd go to Red Hook probably, I'm probably in Red Hook more. Now that I don't live in Red Hook, then when I actually lived there, and there's, it's it's one of the coolest neighborhoods based on how remote it is and how it's like you ha- you don't just happen upon it. It's like you go to, and it's it, there's like some uh, some like obvious reasons why it's not easily accessible because there's like first of all there's no subway that goes to Red Hook, right. but you go to like West Ninth Street and you pop out and like you just walk across the BQE and then you're there. And there's like, I, I I love the fact that it's not like overrun with a bunch of spots that are kind of like places that you really wouldn't go. It's like it's very specific and so it's kind of like the most beautiful like getaway in the city. You know, a lot of hidden gems. Yeah, yeah. You kind of have to know where you're going. Yeah, in order to get there. Totally. So. With Seaborn opening up soon, there was, well, there's obviously some, you, you're a partner in Middle Branch. Yes. Which is awesome. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and you, you learned, uh, you really cut your teeth under like the, the, like Sasha Petrasky school of bartending. Um, I don't think you and I have ever really spoken about this, but, um, like what was, I've had, you know, I've had Sam and Mickey, sorry, Michael, he told me to use his Christian name when his mom was listening to the radio show, but I've had a, oh, a lot of... Oh, he has a first name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I've had a, a, quite a few people from, from that bar world on the show, and everyone has something that really stood out to them with uh, with their time spent with, with Sasha. What were some of the things that like really stuck out in your your experiences? I don't know if we have enough time on the show that, well. to go through the entire list <laughs> um, because I don't have a bar background. Everything that I learned from Sasha is all I know. Oh yeah, and it's wow. great. Um, it's kind of a smaller world, though. You know, mm-hmm. the lens is smaller, but I have Sasha to thank, and I also have Joseph Schwartz to thank for everything that I have learned and their patience. Um, but I think the. The greatest lesson you can learn is, you know, strive to do your best every day. You know, you're never the perfect bartender at the end of the day. You still have something you can learn. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's me currently. Um, studying under Sasha, we had a limited range of spirits to use behind the bar, and that's because he had a focus on the classic cocktails. 
But then um, I worked with other people you know, along the way, say Brian Miller, and I learned about tiki and how many different things you can do with drinks <clears throat> using 25 ingredients or, you know, less. But I think uh, keeping it simple is the best approach yeah. to that kind of bartending because you don't want to get overwhelmed with – you don't want to get bogged down with all these ingredients. And For sure. I think uh, using the best spirits available without considering the brand mm-hmm. is another valuable lesson to learn, That's especially true. if you want to have a, a, re- a decent amount of volume yeah. in your bar. So like tightening the focus is like some something that's like the big one of the big takeaways, right? I think I think that's really cool. I mean like you know, like there's the the book The Twelve Bottle Bar is a really cool example of that too, because it's like, all right, here's twelve bottles and here's like a thousand cocktails you can make right. with these ingredients. And speaking of Robert Simonson, he's uh he's working on a new app and it's called the Modern it's Modern Classics and uh I think that's really cool. Like, to me, the definition of a modern classic is like ingredients that have been around forever, but you just put them together in a different way, and it's something that that's very clear and has a, a certain focus. Yep. You know, there's a very different style of making cocktails on, I think, on like East Coast and West Coast. You know, West Coast, there's like kind of like a garden in the glass thing, and here we're like, all right. It's going to be dark and bitter and boozy and stirred. and It might be in a rocks glass and it might not have ice in it. <laughs> so, yeah, the warm cocktails are taking a huge leap yeah. in trends. Yeah. I think I think uh, that's kind of like my takeaway from, from knowing Sasha and going to Milk and Honey and, and Middle Branch, Little Branch. Like the whole like kind of like spider web of, of bars that he like you know, I had his touch on, um, it's just really, really solid, solid classics. And something I learned, this book of Brian Miller, like Brian Miller and Phil Ward there, like, all right, here's the thing, learn the classics and understand them. And then everything else comes after that. And there's a lot of, a lot of new bartenders, um, get a little uh, ahead of themselves, you know? And it's like, do you know what's in Benedictine or what chartreuse is like what it really is, you know? And I think there's like something very important and valuable in, in like understanding the classics for a while. And that's, that's definitely something I learned from Sasha. Yes. Yeah. Keeping it simple. Um, you don't, you don't have to have the most heavily branded spirit to make a great cocktail. You just have to have it balanced. And that's part of why Seaborn has its name is, it came from a Yeats poem <clears throat> about a bird taking a seagull, actually taking flight for the first time. And it was seaborne. And he specifies that bird as being balanced in the air. That's cool. It is cool. <laughs> and Sasha, the, like he, he would talk nonstop about balance. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to be sweet or it could be sweet, but it still had to be balanced in, mm-hmm. in other ways. So I guess achieving that is the ultimate goal. Yeah. I think there's, Something another interesting thing about that school of thought too is there was a another thing that I picked up from from that world was that uh, it's kind of like first of all Sam and Michael they brought up building 
drinks and rounds. And I guess I'd never really considered it. Like if you've got, like when I was making a round of drinks, you know, like picking up, picking up each bottle only once, you know, and I think, I guess I didn't realize that I was totally fucking up that way. <laughs> like I'd pick up my, my lime juice bottle, like maybe two times or three times, you know, building around, you know, if I'm making like a gimlet and a daiquiri and, you know, uh, last work, you know, like, and then I was like, Oh, that's really dumb of me. I, I should, I should be picking up this bottle once. And I, I and I, I don't think I did. I, I don't think I wasn't doing that all the time. But I, there were definitely times where I caught myself. I'm like, why did I put that back down, like in the in the well? I should have kept that in my hand and put that in the other shaker or mixing glass. Um, I see that happen all the time. In fact, um, I just did a little work down in Philadelphia helping a man named Brandon Wise train some staff um, in a new place called the. Uh, Yeah, that place. <laughs> <laughs> it's at the, the the new Logan Hotel. Cool. Um, the steakhouse. Anyway, I notice that happens a lot, especially people that are trained to use different brands of a, sp- a specific spirit. So you're putting down one bottle and you're picking up another one to make a different drink. Right. And I think you can get away with that if you don't brand your menu. Sure. Just find like what like beef eater, strong spirit. You only pick it up once. You're making five different drinks, but two of them have gin. You've got a gin martini and you've got a Bennett. They right. both have, you know, around two ounces of gin. But with all these options, it makes it harder to not pick up the bottle. Yeah, I think that's so. That's that brings up an interesting point. I mean, like as far as like building a menu, like designing a menu. I mean, it, there's like I feel like I can only go so far. I mean, like there are certain things like Campari. You can't really say like. Italian right. you know, <laughs> sure. like it's got, it has to be compared. It's very specific to the, the flavor, but you can, you can absolutely say gin mm-hmm. or bourbon on a menu. Unless it's something like two brands are like wildly different, like Brooklyn gin and like old Raj, you know, like then you've, you kind of have to be like, well, what if uh, you're using two bourbons in the same drink? <laughs> now that's getting yeah, fancy. Are you doing that? No. <laughs> Cause I I, what are we doing here? Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, I think I think building building those rounds and like and well, also like and kind of like sidetracking. This happens a lot on the show. Um, just start trailing off in a weird thought, but uh, but as far as as far as far as the uh, like menu design goes, that's also another point of balance too. You know, having something for everyone you don't have to have everything for everyone you have to have something for everyone yeah like options i had never put a vodka cocktail on a menu until probably three years ago at the frankie's in the west village and i have always have a vodka cocktail on the grand army menu but it it wasn't because it, it wasn't just because i'm not being a vodka hater it's just like i had not come up with anything that i thought was going to make the menu what's a viable substitute for any other spirit really right so having that in place like on a menu is really important i think based on the fact that some people are just like hey man i don't know i just like vodka 
Like, you can't really argue with people that I way. I hear that a lot. You can't do the, you can't do the thing where you're trying to convert them to a gin drinker, or or white rum or pisco or whatever clear spirit. Yeah. It's pretty funny actually. Um, when I first started working at Little Branch, I had zero experience. Not only zero experience waiting tables, but I really didn't know the difference between all of the different types of spirits that there were. You know, I had no idea there were five plus types of whiskey. So um, girls would come in and they'd say. And not specifically girls, but a lot. I just noticed a lot more because I am a female. They'd come in and say, can I have something with vodka? And, you know, our response was, well, do you like anything other than vodka? Because it doesn't really impart any flavor into your cocktail. So we'd like to give you an opportunity to experience something that has a little bit more of a flavor profile. And then they'd say, yeah, I like whiskey. Like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> when you see that in the first place, <laughs> these girls are drinking whiskey like crazy. Yeah. That happened to me like... Eight or so years ago, like I was working in this place in Prospect Heights right before we opened Prime Eats, and someone came in. They were like, "Hey, hey, Grey Goose and soda." Like, eh, I don't have Grey Goose here. That's cool. All right, can I get a Knob Creek on the rocks? I'm like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> and it happens a lot. I'm not sure what that is. I love it, but uh, but it's I, I'm not sure what it is, but I I just. I appreciate it um, for what it is. It's probably the fresh out of college kind of thing. You know, <laughs> you're given what you got. That's true. Probably sell an advertisement or <laughs> something. I don't know. Who knows? Um, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll continue talking with Lucinda from Seaborn and Red Hook, Brooklyn, New York. program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy, and I've got Lucinda Sterling in the studio today. Um, we're just talking about a little bit about your background, and uh, I know you're from Colorado. Thank um, you. Yes. Did you... Did you um, did you do any work in the industry when you were in uh, you were Denver, right? Yes. Not during my formative years. Hmm? Um, I was actually invited to work at a place called Oak at 14th Street when I decided to go back and kind of finish my 15 or 18 or something long college career um, a couple years ago with Brian Dayton. And that was a lot of fun. I got to see how well cocktails in a restaurant could be made. That's important. It, it is very important. Um, yeah. But he's, he's, you know, he's very skilled. And I got to work with Alex. Um, she, I met her at a competition for Akintoshin, and she's extremely talented. So 
it was great to see what Denver and Boulder they're doing in their cocktail scene, but it was never anything this inviting as it is now. It was just vodka martinis, Patron shots, and maybe a beer, and yeah. that was it. <laughs> I growing up in Oklahoma and living in Oklahoma City, I used to go to Denver for a bike rally every summer, and uh, I fell in love with. I almost like I basically like flipped a coin. It was either going to be Denver or Brooklyn. That was 10 years ago, and I landed here. Yeah. I love Denver. It's great. It's really pretty. Brooklyn is a little bit like Denver, I think. Yeah. And it's... Except weed's legal there. (laughs) Oh, quote unquote. Yeah. Something something along those lines. (laughs) Um, That's cool. Um, Okay. So let's let's go back to Seaborn. So what what is the direction that makes... Seaborn different from say some of the other places that that you've worked and like what's kind of like the the focus and goal of Seaborn well the focus and goal of Seaborn was always to um re uh, bring back the original milk and honey hmm. and the and the level of intimacy that it has and the Sasha charm that the old milk and honey had Unfortunately, the uh, place on 23rd Street was just too big, and you couldn't achieve that. And yeah. I mean, moving from from uh, Eldridge, the very small space, to that space, it kind of seemed... I I understood what was going on, but first of all, I rarely go... North of 14th Street. <laughs> You're one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Brooklyn guy. Um, but yeah, it, it there was yeah, like you said, like, there's a certain intimacy of Milk and Honey, the original, and uh, and it's kind of like one of the, I mean, not kind of, definitely like one of those places that's you can't really replicate. You know, kind of have to like. Also, my twin brother uh, won at an auction uh, a night for four at Milk and Honey. There was a charity auction for the Museum of Food and Drinks, uh, which Heritage Radio uh, actually partners in with. And uh, he never, he never redeemed it. Oh no! <laughs> he spent, wow. He spent like a thousand bucks, and uh, I'm just like, dude. Just let it go, man. Just let it go. Put We're just letting wall. it go. Yeah. Yeah. Frame that. <laughs> it's pretty it awesome. It won't ever happen again. Yeah. Um, so I'm really psyched for Seaborn. It you know, like the way the way that you described it, you know, it's like especially like going back to to Red Hook with the small town charm, it just like seems like a natural place for for that to to end up settle well like the lower east side back then you know it was, yeah. it was untouched territory right you wouldn't dare go in the lower east side without you know wearing a bulletproof vest i don't know i'm kidding around <laughs> i wasn't here over then but i'm sure it was a dramatically different environment and you know it didn't stop sasha so i don't think anything is going to stop sasha whether he True. you know he's with us or not he's going to always have a profound impact on everything we do as bartenders Anybody that was, you know, a part of his world. Something very uh, of the moment right now. I, I feel like 
Sasha was kind of like two losses in within the same year, but Sasha was kind of like the David Bowie of the cocktail world. You know, he's not like he's not gone. He's just somewhere else. Yeah, he's kind of like went back to outer space and uh, where he came from. You know, yeah, he but he's still made, around. The comment, see you on the other side. Yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever totally. that meant. I don't know. Could have meant <laughs> many things. Like, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, he he will always have a huge place in in this bevy world. His legacy is very strong, and that's not going anywhere for sure. Not right now. I mean, I think what do I have a twenty year lease on the Seaworm <laughs> Building? So good. Nice. You beat me by two hundred percent. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. Cool. That's great. Thanks, that's man. really cool. Thank you. Um, so we are going to go to my bar here in a little bit. I can't wait. And you're going to make some drinks there, which I'm really excited about because we, like, my, my, like, level of guest bartending has been, like, Jan Warren popping by for dinner and then like deciding to jump behind the bar and make daiquiris for everyone. So this is really cool to have you come by Grand Army and make some drinks. Thank you. I'm really psyched about it. Um, and I cannot wait to go by Seaborn. Like it's so cool. I've I've known you for a while now and you're super cool and and you make great drinks and I I just I, I'm super super excited for you and. It's just like it's just so exciting. Like I always say that like right now is the most exciting time in in bars and and making cocktails because there's just so much going on and it's great to see so many really good people doing great stuff, opening their own places and very deserved, you know, like ownership. And it's great to see bartenders be able to actually have that opportunity to make something their own. You know, and there's a lot of a lot of our friends have been doing that lately. I'm so glad that, like, you know, you've got like you're building your empire. You know, outside of Middle Branch, you've got Seaborn. It's like I can't wait to see this, and also can't see can't wait to see what's after it too. And I heard there was talk of slushy machines at your new bar too. Not quite a slushy machine. Um, <laughs> if you're really interested, it's uh, basically a homemade recipe. That ends up being a frozen, you know, base. And then ultimately when the guest comes in, they're going to be able to pick their spirit. That's awesome. So it's a form of a bartender's choice. And then it kind of will minimize the time it takes to deliver the drink to the person That's... versus like, you know, the 15 minute wait, yeah. the classic 15 minute wait. <laughs> well, okay. I don't think that your cocktails will take that long at Grand Army tonight. But, well, I can't wait to break everything. Yeah. Come by and break all the glassware. <laughs> You're always welcome, welcome to do that. Um, awesome. Well, that's great. Lucinda, it's been awesome having you on the show today. Uh, really psyched. Everyone go check out Seaborn and Red Hook. It's going to be really kick-ass. It'll be one of the greatest experiences of your life. Yeah. I, I hope <laughs> at least some part of your life. <laughs> well, cool. Um so Lucinda will be hanging out at Grand Army tonight, um, starting at 5 o'clock when we open. And she'll be making some of her drinks. And can't wait to have her there. And if you're, speaking of guest bartending, uh, if you're in the Bay Area, I'll be out there this weekend. And I'll be guest bartending at ABV in the Mission. So come out and see me then. 
And, and congratulations on five years of awesome radio, buddy. That's Jack Inslee, the executive <laughs> producer. Thanks so much. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Uh, we've had a really great run, and it's I can't wait to see another five years. Well, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Uh, Lucinda, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Damon. It was really a pleasure. Likewise. I appreciate it. Cool. Let's go make some drinks. You got it. All right. Sounds that's good. It. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.